Welcome to the first episode of our new season. We've got a fantastic batch of podcasts coming your way, and we're excited to kick it off with a new contributor, M. Gresh. M. is the pastor at Long Green Valley Church of the Brethren in Glenarm, Maryland. She's a lifelong member of the COB and is passionate about mental health, which is what she invites us to reflect on together in this episode. Have you ever had a conversation about mental health in your congregation or with your pastor? Were those conversations helpful or harmful? Has anyone ever asked you to pray for their mental health or have you asked others to pray for yours? How do your experiences fit into M's conversation about mental health and the church? Do you know that one in five Americans experiences mental illness each year? Unfortunately, there is also a truly dangerous mindset in many Christian communities. Having a mental illness is a sign that you are a bad Christian. That line of thinking stems from two places. The idea that mental illness is caused by supernatural warfare and the idea that mental illness is something that can be cured if only you have enough faith. There is a lot of overlap between the rhetoric around mental health and the rhetoric around disability in the Christian church. Because if we believe that God answers prayers, which most Christians do to some degree or another, it's hard to wrap your mind around something that is chronically wrong. It's a little bit like finding out that someone has lost a limb. The best outcome in that scenario is that the person will heal well, 
and that they will be able to live a happy life. They will never grow that limb back, and it can be difficult to think about what to pray for. The same principle applies to the way that we think and talk about mental health. When someone has an ongoing mental illness, I don't think people really know what to pray for. They want to help, and they believe in prayer, but knowing what to pray for is hard. If they pray for the mental illness to go away, and it doesn't, it's hard to wrap your mind around why. You can pray for a healing of cancer or that someone will recover from pneumonia, but praying that someone with schizophrenia will get better isn't just unproductive. It can be dangerous. I'm sure that's going to ruffle a few feathers, but stick with me for a little while. If someone has a physical illness, they will usually see a doctor. We pray, absolutely, but we understand that a person's best chance is to see a doctor and be prayed for. That wasn't always the case. While it wasn't common everywhere, Pennsylvania, where there were and still are a large population of brethren, had a very long tradition of a practice called powwow. As far as I can tell, there is little to no association with Native American practices, but it was a combination of folk medicine and Christian faith, combining herbs and prayers. Talking to older folks from those areas, I found that many people who grew up there were exposed to these practices which ranged from things that might actually help a sick person to things I would never recommend to anyone. As doctors became more readily available, powwow faded, although there are still practitioners. We are at such a crossroads today when it comes to mental health treatment. The resources to help those struggling with mental illness exist but some of us are still clinging to the ways we dealt with them in the past. And while not all of these practices are bad, they just aren't enough. Among people ages 10 to 34, suicide is the second leading cause of death, falling only behind unintentional injuries like car accidents. Part of the problem that churches face is that individuals who are suffering from mental illnesses are often recommended to speak to their pastor rather than a professional that focuses on mental health. As a pastor, I know a little bit of what the training is like to become one. At a general level, Church of the Brethren pastors go through a process to become ordained that includes education, usually at Bethany Theological Seminary. At the time of this recording, they do not require that students take a pastoral care class, although it is encouraged. Even if a pastor does take a pastoral care course, that education does not qualify them to be a mental health professional. Ministers encountering a mental health crisis should refer the individual out to a professional. 
but sadly, many ministers aren't trained to recognize what that looks like. My situation is a little different than most. My undergraduate studies were in psychology, and I took every pastoral care class possible while I was in seminary, as well as courses in mediation and spiritual direction. I can recognize a mental health crisis. I still cannot treat mental illnesses. Additionally, I think it's important to mention that I suffer from mental illness myself. My story, sadly, is a common one. When I started to experience mental health symptoms in middle school, I spoke to several pastors. The advice that I was given was to pray more, to immerse myself in faith, and that kind of worked on the surface. To the outside world, I think I seemed like I was doing okay. I was at every youth event. I was involved in district and denominational work, and I led things locally as well. Inside was a different story. Because I wasn't seeing someone to work through my chronic mental illnesses, I got worse until finally when I was in college, I snapped. After that, it took me years of working on myself to get to a point where I could be stable. Now, as an adult, I go to therapy every week. I take medication to control my mental illnesses. And I'm not ashamed of that. Because mental illnesses are illnesses. Unfortunately, for many people... Seeking help for mental illnesses is still seen as a taboo, and people don't want to admit that they need help. I had a friend in high school who had severe depression, and rather than getting her help from a therapist or a psychiatrist, her parents put her through the process of exorcisms at least four times. That still shocks me to this day. The thing about mental illness is that it isn't just a mental roadblock. There are physical reasons why we experience these problems. The way that human brains work is actually really cool, but when they break down, it can be absolutely horrible to deal with. Just as an example, let's look at the way that depression works. Everyone has felt sad at some point in their lives, but clinical depression is a long-term thing. The most common reason for clinical depression is a deficiency of serotonin in the brain. Serotonin is a chemical that regulates mood. The way that it works is essentially like a chain reaction. The serotonin molecules are released, and they fall into little slots that are a perfect fit for them. The slots being filled trigger the next group to be released all through the brain, with some amount of serotonin just hanging out to help the brain, 
And the person feels happiness and calm in relationship to what's going on in their life. In the brains of people with depression, there isn't enough serotonin being released to fill the slots and have the extra that regulates mood. When some people take a medication to help, some of the slots are filled in by the medication, which allows the brain to have enough to keep everything steady. Because we can't see that chemical process happening, it's easy to imagine it isn't there. Just like it's easy to assume someone isn't disabled just because we can't see anything wrong with them. As Christians, we are capable of believing in things we can't see. We don't have physical proof of God's existence, but we can feel that presence. We believe without seeing. A big shift around mental health happened during the 2020 lockdowns. People who had been using other things to self-medicate for years suddenly found themselves experiencing depression, anxiety, and other mental illnesses, and seeking professional help became a necessity. That happens in normal times, too, although not on the scale that it did during the lockdown. Something terrible will happen, and suddenly the things we had been managing are not manageable. We've all known someone who has experienced a loss and fallen completely apart. In addition to all of that, having a mental illness significantly increases your likelihood of developing problems in other areas of your life, physically, economically, and puts strain on relationships. So, how do we address mental illness from a faith perspective? The first thing I think needs to happen is being more open with our faith communities about our own mental health struggles. As individuals, it's easy to think that we need to stay quiet, because if we share, we open ourselves up to potential judgments from those around us. But when we do that, when we stay silent because of fear, we only make it harder for others to speak on the subject. Pretending the problem doesn't exist doesn't make it go away. It only makes it harder for us to talk about it when it's critical. When we can be brave enough to talk about our feelings, we show others that they can do the same. The second part is that it is extremely necessary that we make our faith communities a safe place to talk about our struggles. Many of us are willing to talk about physical illnesses within our churches, but it's rare that we talk about mental illness during our joys and concerns times unless it has already reached a critical level. Someone has attempted suicide or has been hospitalized for a mental health crisis. By waiting until that point, 
we are unconsciously telling our faith families that unless things have gotten that bad, mental illness isn't serious enough to be prayed for. It's like saying that a broken leg isn't worth praying for, but an amputation is. It's like saying stage one cancer isn't worth praying for, but end stage cancer is. We don't wait to pray for other things until the end. We pray for them early and often. We encourage our friends and neighbors to share their health concerns with us so that we can pray. And we rejoice when those prayers are answered. We need to be doing that for our friends and neighbors who are suffering with mental illnesses as well. Another aspect of helping those with mental illnesses is destigmatizing getting professional help. Pastors are great. We are absolutely the person to talk to if you're experiencing a crisis of faith. We are not, however, the person who should be managing your mental health care. Just like you shouldn't try to manage asthma with prayer, you shouldn't try to manage mental illness with prayer either. Therapists are a great place to start and will often refer you to a psychiatrist if your symptoms require medical intervention. Many even offer telehealth appointments now, which is great in terms of convenience. Another part of mental wellness is our ability to manage our mental energy. In today's society of go, 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 it is very easy to become a victim of burnout. This is especially evident in small churches. The same 10% of the congregation is doing 90% of the work, and after a while, it feels impossible to say no. This happens in our workplaces, with continuing education, and even in our homes. The constant stress of trying to do everything and be perfect at it wears us down, and it suddenly becomes difficult to accomplish anything. Burnout is a significant problem, and when it isn't addressed, everything we do suffers. And that's what all of this really comes down to suffering. When our mental health isn't good, we are suffering. I can't believe that God, who loved us so deeply that Jesus was sent to die for us, wants us to suffer. That just doesn't make sense. God wants us to thrive to experience the joys of the world, to have the mental and physical energy to worship, to have the social energy to build relationships. God doesn't want us to suffer. I very firmly believe that we are called to love God and love people. I also believe that we are called to love ourselves.
it's really easy to fall into this trap of dismissing our own needs in favor of taking care of other people's wants. I cannot tell you how many times I have agreed to do someone else a favor at my own expense. Personally, I define a need as something that you must have in order to function as a human being. The usual suspects include food, water, shelter, and relationships, but I'd include things like rest and spending time with God, too. Wants, however, are things that improve your quality of life, but aren't crucial to being able to function. For example, someone might want for you to go out to dinner with them, but if you haven't had a good night's sleep in three days, your need outweighs their want. Saying no and setting boundaries is uncomfortable for many of us who grew up brethren. I think a lot of us who grew up in the church learned to be people pleasers, and that means our own needs can get put on the back burner. In both our personal and spiritual lives, we need to prioritize the things that help us to function. We need time to pray to build our relationship with God, and to fill up our own cup before we fill up everyone else's. If we don't, at some point we will break down, like a car that never gets an oil change. Radical love isn't just for other people. It starts at home, in our own skin. Taking care of ourselves is like taking care of our tools. If you don't maintain the tools you use every day, eventually your productivity will suffer. It's a need, not a want, to keep yourself healthy. And that includes your mental health. The instruction in the Bible to take Sabbath rest isn't just to give us time to spend with God. It's to give us time to spend taking care of ourselves, doing the self-care tasks that can get lost in our busy weeks. Sabbath rest gives us time to spend building our relationships, taking that time to do things that bring us joy and help us to weather the rest of our lives, building a life that balances our health, mental, physical, and spiritual with the tasks of work and helping others, can take a lot of trial and error. We might spend too much time doing one and run out of time doing another. We might find a routine that works for us for years, and then something changes that means we have to start over. That's okay. It's a journey that has a changing climate. But allowing ourselves to take the necessary time to care for our mental health is not only good for us, it's good for our relationship with God and our outreach in the world. Finally, I want to drive home a point about mental illness that is often overlooked in Christian circles. God made us. 
not just humanity, but us personally. God loves us, not just humanity, but us personally. When it comes to mental illness, we can feel absolutely isolated and like we've done something to deserve feeling this way. God loves us as we are and provides the resources that we need in order to manage our emotional states. We are not bad Christians if we suffer from mental illness. We are just Christians trying to follow God to the best of our abilities. And honestly, I think that's true of every Christian. God loves us. Not just humanity, but us personally. I love the way that M frames this conversation about mental health and the church talking about mental health as one among many kinds of struggles and everybody struggles early on M said that when someone is suffering from mental health challenges people really don't know what to pray for she says we encourage our friends and neighbors to share their health concerns with us so that we can pray and we need to be doing that for our friends and neighbors who are suffering with mental illnesses as well How do we pray for people suffering with mental illness? In my own prayer life, I find that the more I know about a situation, the easier it is for me to pray about it. I mean, of course there are times when we can't know details and just hold up the person we're praying for into God's love, because God knows all. But when I know more about what's going on, when I ask folks what it is they're struggling with, what they'd like me to pray for, my prayers get sturdier and more specific. So maybe learning more about mental illness in general can help us in our prayer lives. Maybe understanding mental illness as something that needs medical treatment, in addition to prayer, will strengthen the way we pray. Maybe learning to recognize a mental health crisis, like M suggests. Can you do that? Maybe that could help us pray and act to support folks who are suffering through those crises. What if our prayers around mental health included a prayer for the strength to maintain boundaries, a prayer for compassion to practice self-care, prayer for access to medical professionals and medication and the freedom and non-judgmental spaces to talk about those needs? What if we prayed for a growing ability in ourselves and in our churches to recognize a mental health crisis? What if our prayers included asking God to give us an openness in our congregations so that we can have honest, frank, non-judgmental conversation with each other. I wonder what our prayers might ignite if we learned to pray that way.
listening, Dunkerpunks. The Dunkerpunks podcast is, among many other things, a space for young adults to talk openly about things that sometimes get silenced or shamed in church life. I'm one of your hosts, Dana Cassell. I use she, her pronouns. This episode was created by M. Gresh and Jacob Krause edited the audio. Jacob also creates our music. Suzanne Lay manages production and communications with Aplum. Beacon Heights Church of the Brethren, Arlington Church of the Brethren, and On Earth Peace sponsor our show. Do you know that you can be a part of the Dunker Punks podcast? There are so many ways. We are looking to recruit 20 congregations to help sponsor the podcast. Our home churches are about faith formation, and we know that they want to hear what youth have to say about following Jesus. Congregations can be a part of the Dunker Punks podcast and amplify young voices of faith, giving them opportunities to start conversations and make connections. If your congregation is interested, you can email us at dpp at arlingtoncob.org for more details, including a fantastic informational packet that you can share with your church board and leadership. We're asking that church boards include a $200 budget line for Dunker Punk's podcasts. We can literally value what young people of faith have to say. We are also recruiting a new communications intern. We're looking for a current or recent secondary education student who's eligible for a part-time, remote, paid position sponsored by On Earth Peace. You'd get to work with a non-hierarchical project team of dunker punks who live across the country to help recruit new voices, get to know young people who speak up, and help them make connections with their message. You would get professional skills in interpersonal communications, project production, social media content generation, fundraising, and graphic design. And you'd get to hang out with some really awesome people. Plus, you'd get paid. You can email us at dpp at arlingtoncob.org for more details, including a job description. You can also recommend someone else by emailing us or... Tell us that you want to share something with the podcast. We're looking for new contributors also, especially if you would like to interview a seasoned minister in that series. Join us next time, Dunker Punks, for an episode with Gabe Padilla as he reflects on the future of inclusion in the Church of the Brethren. Until then, take care. Take care.